Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions. Real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. What's up, family? I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general... And we are your hosts of the greatest podcast in the world, Street Politicians. The place, the place where, where the streets and, and politics, politics meet. Wow. You know, I'm I'm I don't want to talk long because we've got a lot of information to pack into this episode. I have been under the most pressure to decide out of candidates that I think are just okay. I'm not I'm not blown away by any of the candidates running for mayor in New York City. I think there are some that are better than others, um, but I, I don't necessarily feel like anyone is really speaking directly and impactfully to the issues I care about in a way that motivates me. I What I hear are people who have potential, great potential, but sometimes I get tired of being behind people with potential. And that's just my truth. And I tell them all that directly. I'm under a lot of pressure right now. It's a lot of stress to decide who will be in my top five ranking. Because New York, as you know, we now have the, uh, what is it? The rank choice voting process, which means we get to rank five people. And I got to do that. So I'm feeling a little stressed out. How you feeling? I'm feeling all right, man. You know, it's a lot of a lot of different people, you know, that I'm interested in. Like you said, there's no one candidate that stands out. Like I like Isaac Wright, just understanding because we have kind of like similar background. Ray McGuire, somebody, you know, Maya, somebody that I'm paying attention to. And I'm just, you know, I'm listening to a lot of these different candidates. And I'm I, like you said, it's not one person that completely that I it's not so much that one person I feel, I just don't know if they're capable of doing everything that they say they can do. So, you know, I'm 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 up in the air. So, you know, this ranked choice vote, it might be good for me because I can list a couple and see and you know and just and wish for the best at this point. We we this system that we have already is not really working to me for like I guess so. And that's not, you know, and imagine if we people who are politically inclined, um, you know, 
feel this way. Imagine how a lot of other folks feel. So that's just how I'm, that's, that's what's going on with me today is that I have, a, you know, about a day before I have to publicly state all the folks that I'm supporting across the city of New York. I've Speaking already- of state, state of emergency, your book. What you mean? Your book behind you, I see state. You oh, see state. state of emergency. Yeah, what's going yeah. on? How, how were the sales? Like we didn't hear anything. Well, we did really well. I mean, we sold um, like 27,000 copies. Ooh, talk about that. See, that's, that's, that's a bestseller right there. That's so a doing pretty well. Um, we need to sell a hundred thousand copies. So we've got some more work to do. Um, and you know, and and I think it's gonna happen. Um, you know, just from Louisville, Kentucky, where we had a book signing, um, and that was very successful along with first in person, first in person. First in person book signing. There are more coming up. Yeah, yesterday was my birthday, and so you know, 40 plus one. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening. God is, God is really good. That's Amen. Good. God is good. So my thought of the day today is going to be the best thought of the day that I have ever, ever, ever had. My thought of the day. You want to know what it is? You know what I was thinking? What was that? I was thinking I want to know what our guests have to say about this crazy system that we have um, between ranked choice voting in New York, Joe Biden and his statements during the uh, Tulsa commemorations. Um, you know, what are we going to do to get all the things we need? You know, in this short window, we got four years to really push it. It's really kind of two years because if the Senate gets flipped or we lose some seats, lose the House in the midterm elections, we won't even have the opportunity that we have in this moment. So we've got like a year and some change to literally get some things done. And the progress is very slow, if even at all, on some issues. So my thought of the day today is that I want to hear from the guests because the guests have uh, pretty good insight on where we stand. Sounds like a good thought to me. So today we're going to be joined by um, Jamani Williams, the public advocate of New York City. You know, New York is very um, unique in the fact that we have a public advocate. Uh, there's been many people trying to get rid of that seat. And his job, really, his role is to sort of monitor what the mayor is doing and be an advocate for the public. Um, and in, in other places, you have the mayor and then, of course, their deputy mayor. So if something happens to the mayor, then the deputy mayor is in charge. In New York, actually, it's different in that the public advocate would step in and the public advocate is now... Um, the second most powerful elected official in the entire city of New York. And it happens to be a black man who's a revolutionary. And so it's good that uh, we have him coming on today to talk about ranked choice voting, because as the public advocate, it is his job to ensure that the people of New York are prepared to go to the polls and do what's necessary um, and not be disenfranchised. So we'll hear from Jamani Williams. And then the Reverend Mark Thompson, who I often joke is my um, work husband. I spend hours on hours talking to Mark, 
going through issues, dealing with my fears, frustrations, my insecurities, things I don't know, research that I have to do in order to be on my game. Um, and he is available to me at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 5 a.m., all the time. Uh, and, and it really is sort of stands in the gap of, of other, you know, places and spaces where I may not be fulfilled um, in terms of my intellect. And that's important, you know, to have somebody that when you're feeling like, man, I don't understand it or I can't get it or I just don't want to read this stuff that he would sit with me and break it down and, and, and help me to stay focused. And so I, I um, am so glad that Mark is coming on because I know even with you, Mark is the type of person that we turn to that will really help us strategically think through what are the next steps for our movement based upon the fact that he's been in movements of, of the past. So we're gonna hear from Reverend Mark Thompson. Yes, sir, Reverend Mark Thompson is my guy, man. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are uh, being joined by our dear, dear, dear public advocate uh, for New York City and also our brother um, and friend. You know that street politician has a lot of friends. We always bring on people who um, are doing great work and that's because the company we keep, it's a good group. It's a good group of individuals across the nation 
who are really making change, really um, standing up to this, this call that is on all of us um, to carry the baton. The baton has been passed to us from many. Um, and when I think about a uh, public advocate, Jamani Williams, I think about somebody like Congressman John Lewis, uh, rest in peace, God rest his soul, and so many other elected officials um, who really stood for and stand for justice, fairness, and equity for Black people. And so I'm always proud to call him a friend. I was talking to someone the other day and they wanted to try to, you know, give me all the reasons why I shouldn't work with another individual. And I said, well, does that person support Jamani Williams? And they say, yeah. I said, well, they're a friend of mine if they support him because I know that he has not always been able to get the type of support that he deserves from Black people because he's too Black. He speaks uh -oh. too Black. Um, he cares about our issues and is uncompromised. Um, and we don't always agree. And I tell people all the time that uh, Jamani and I have had to have some real conversations. We, we, we're getting ready to talk about something right now that I'm not sure we agree on. But what we know is that um, we're th this relationship that all of us have fostered among uh, the members of Until Freedom, Jamani and other individuals in the city of New York is one that while we may not all agree all the time, one thing we agree on is that we're all fighting for black people. And so um, we're glad to have Jamani to join us today. I'm honored to be on Peace and Blessings, Love and Light. That's a, that's a, a, a great introduction. Appreciate Tamika, Mice, everything y'all doing across the country. Like every time I see y'all, that joint is just crazy. Look, look at y'all doing your thing. I feel like I'm there with y'all doing it, yo. You so, are, brother. You're definitely an extension of us, man. And every time we see you, you know, speaking truth to power and standing on the front lines with the people, we, and we not there. We feel like we right there with you doing it. So we want to say we appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Much love, much love. Yeah. So, Jamani, we're talking about ranked choice voting today. Uh, street politicians tries to be a place that helps to educate our folks because, as you know, the tricks move around quickly. The cards change fast. Everything is always happening. Um, and we try to keep people up to speed on what's going on. And I think the next few weeks, it's going to be really important for us to drill down on ranked choice voting to make sure that uh, just regular folks get it. You know, I, I'm going to be honest in saying that there's been a number of conversations uh, that I've been involved in, and I really did not understand all of the details of this new voting system in New York City. Um, but you have been a supporter of it uh, for various reasons. And also you understand the intricate details. So I know you don't have a long time to be with us today. Tell us what ranked choice voting is and how it impacts this election. And then I wanna talk about the ramifications of those who are saying, don't do the ranked choice voting, just vote for you know, one individual. So tell us what we need to know. Appreciate you. And if, you, if you're in New York, it's the first time uh, we're gonna be doing ranked choice voting in New York City. It's been done in other places across the country. And also reminding people that voting has started. Election day is gonna be on June 22nd, but absentee ballots are already being sent in and early voting starts on uh, June 12th. So people are gonna be using ranked choice voting. I believe it helps empower and strengthen uh, one person's vote uh, while having some other impacts that are beneficial as well. But quite simply, 
you're simply ranking the order in which you prefer a candidate from one to five. Um, and if no one gets 50%, they go through the tally to see where people's second, third, fourth, and fifth votes are, and they tally that add up, and then we get a winner. That by itself generates a position where the person who's elected actually has uh, more support uh, than it was the, 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 the first time. What most electors won't tell you is we're usually elected by a very small slice of the population. Uh, when I was first elected in the city council, one by I think 35%. That means 65% of the people did not vote for me. They didn't have a choice to decide whether I wanted to be in or not. They just voted for somebody else who didn't win. I don't know if that's the best way to do it. But this way you can actually rank who you'd want first, second, third, and your vote, your vote I believe, has more weight. What that has had the uh, advantage of in most places that have done this is actually increased diversity uh, by color, by gender, sexual orientation, and by ideas. Uh, because a lot of folks who have new ideas, it's hard for them to break into it because the system is usually run by those who are most established and put a system where it's harder to break in. And that's coming from somebody who actually beat an incumbent. So it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I know the difficulties of it. Uh, and I think this is a, a better way to go and has been shown uh, to be a better way to go. So let me let me get this straight, because I, I think I'm getting it as I listen to it. So basically, we can if 10 people want to vote for let's say they want to vote for you. Yeah. And it's about 50 people voting mm -hmm. and all 50 of the people's second vote will probably be me. Yeah. But. 10 will vote for you, 10 will vote for me, 10 will vote for Tamika, and 10 will vote for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But the second person that they will vote for will probably all be the same. Yes. So the second person would win the vote over the person who had the most first place vote. It's possible. What we've seen is in over 90% of the time, the person who won the first uh, rank win. Mm -hmm. But there are times where that's just not the case. And that's okay because people vote for different reasons. They get in there and like, damn, I really like these two people. Or damn, I wish I didn't have to make this choice. And the choice they make can be based on, on, on many other things. But what we see in ranked choice voting, we will get a consensus of, some, of someone where everybody had an input on. And I think that's pretty dope. So that second point that everybody agreed on, if there was one person, like 35% of people agreed on this one person, 65% didn't, but, 85% of people believe that this second person uh, would be good for the majority of us. I think that has weight to it. I think that could change the game of people who are in and the ideas that people want to express because the way it is now, quite frankly, I don't have to care about the entirety of the city of New York. I got to care about that slice that's going to come out and vote for me and hold me down. Um, and that I don't think is the best way to go because people don't then talk to other parts of the community, other parts of the district. Uh, on the city level, um, there is uh, you know, a runoff if somebody didn't get 40%, uh, which doesn't happen all the time. Not only is that uh, bad, it's also wasteful because the amount of money that we have to go into now having another runoff at another time, which by the way, has even less people voting in it, uh, I don't think quite captures what we want to capture. This instant, think of it as an instant runoff um, is, is is a better way to go. I get it. I think, I'm, I think I might be on your side with this one. 
<laughs> when I listen to it, it get, it really it really is by the people. You know, if twenty percent of people just vote for the, the the number one candidate, you know, because they he's probably somebody know or whatever. Yeah. But the second person didn't get no votes because they only can vote for one person. You know, then more people probably would have been like, well, I, I like this person better. You know, if if I had a, if I had another opportunity, I think I think I think I see it. I'm thinking, what do you think about it, Tamika? I think that it makes some sense. The only thing that I'm concerned about, honestly, is whether or not people are going to be disenfranchised because they don't have information or they don't understand it properly or they feel like it's too much and they just don't participate. And maybe it takes a few elections to get it right. Um, I worry that with a mayoral election coming up, and I know the conversation we had before, um, Jamani, was that people, um, you were saying that most folks do understand it, right? Um, that there are, are several, I guess, studies or polls, which I'm always very leery about polls, that indicate people get it. But I know I don't really get it. And what I'm concerned about is that if I'm, really focused on Maya Wiley, Ray McGuire, or, you know, any of the other candidates, those are the two candidates that I'm particularly looking at right now for me. But if I'm focused on one or the other, or just two of them, now do I have to put five people down or four or three in order for me really to participate in this process and to make sure that my vote is counted? And now do I, am I now responsible for going to take the time being a mother of how many, I got all these things going on and now I've got to go research Stringer, Adams and Yang and everybody else and try to figure out where they stand on these issues too. I'm just wondering, is it going to disenfranchise people in an election as serious as the one that we're um, up against right now? Well, I, I think we have to put the, the question in context. Uh, we're disenfranchised currently. And so it's not like the system that exists now produces the results that we want to see. And as we were talking about, um, we've had some issues with the last three mayors for various reasons. Bill de Blasio, Michael Bloomberg, Rudy Giuliani, all came from the system that exists currently. There are city council members that we have had issues with that have continued to lift up structures that we don't agree with, they continue to get reelected and reelected. Um, so we have to come from the context that there's disenfranchisement that occurs now. There are people who don't vote for judges simply because they don't have time to figure out who those judges are. Most people don't vote for the judges. Most people uh, don't vote for uh, referendums that are put up. So those things happen right now. The question is, is this going to make it worse or better? I think it will make it better. What we've seen, and while the polls are important and speaking to people, is what we've seen is that one, when you do the education, like happened in uh, the special elections that occurred in New York City, people get it. Even those who don't necessarily get it, when they get to the polls, what we found is it's not that difficult when you explain and say rank one, two, three, four, five. And so with okay, those- Let me yeah. jump in here and ask a question. I'm being very vulnerable because I don't want this to be they or them me what is the city's education process right now not so much on candidates but on this process 
to where people will will know, oh shoot, I need to do some work before I get there because now I'm I'm, I'm looking at five people and not one or two. So I think that is an important question. What I just want to bring back is that's an important question now. If you come in now without having ranked choice voting, the old system, not having done the work, you may be voting for the wrong person, right? You might be voting for the person that you heard their name the most, but those other four person people, probably you should have been voting for one of them. So what some folks and people who are opposing this are pretending as if those questions aren't as valid and as germane uh, as if you uh, didn't have the system in place. Um, the system that we're trying to put in, I think helps more once you get it. Um, you can vote for one person. I don't think that's the best thing to do. That can have the uh, ability of disenfranchising some folks because it's like they are disappearing if there is a runoff, which there is likely to be because it's hard to get 50% with so many people uh, in, in the race. So going down the line, I believe is important. Also, I believe it's important, especially to um, uh, make sure that um, black and brown folks get it. Because if they don't vote, and the problem is there are people telling people not to rank certain folks, and that's harmful because there are parts of our city that are currently more civically engaged. Uh, and so if the Upper West Side for example, which is more civically engaged, ranks one to five and uh, Brownsville or um, Flatbush. So if the white people do it right and the black and brown folks do it wrong, go ahead, I'm gonna translate. <laughs> that, that could be a problem because then they, they, their runoff votes just didn't count. So instead of having people oppose this, what we all should be doing is encouraging people to just rank all five. Well, we have no choice at this point. This is not an optional, I mean, I know that there's some people who are trying to encourage people not to use their choices, but I don't think that, I think we have to vote. We have to make sure that we are in the game properly. And That's if you're talking about ranking people one through five, we need to be ranking people one through five, period. Those of us who are, are, are dropping endorsements in the next few days, should we be telling people one through five? What do you think is best for public messaging? I believe for public messaging, it's best to say one through five and hear who those one through five are. It is particularly tough because we got a tough group of folks running for mayor. So it's not like we can you know, honestly be like, yo, these five people are gonna be great. That is not the case. It's not realistic. It's not honest. But it's also not realistic to think just saying this one or two person is going to do it because that one person or two person probably won't make it. And so either way, we're not in great shape. And so depending where you are, any system <laughs> looks bad. But quite frankly, we got a tough group of folks that we have to choose from. And it is hard. I'm grappling with this very question myself, and I hope I don't fail at it. Because you know, one through five, I think is important. I'm sure we're not going to get 50% on the mayoral race. And so it's important to have all your choices there. Those first two, so you know, you've got to have that. The first one ain't going to get it. Basically, like I agree with what you're saying. This is very important. First two things I want to ask, right, before we leave. It's very important. First of all, let me state that thank you for giving us the information 
and letting us understand what exactly it is, because I'm getting a better perspective of it. But when you listen to it, right, it's so it sounds difficult, right, for the average person who just wants to go out. They know Jumani. Oh, Jumani, I know Jumani. I see him. I want to vote for Jumani. Now they got to think of four more people that more than likely, especially in our communities, we they don't come to our, they don't knock on our doors. They're not even marketing to us. They're not even campaigning to us. So we got to pick probably at least three out of those five that we probably never heard of. That's just a reality. Do you think that those things are deterring people are going to be deterrents? Because when we look at the whole voting process, now everything that's coming up right now is a deterrent. We look at how the voter suppression, the new laws that they putting and acting all over this world. Do you think that those things are going to deter? And then I just want to go a little bit off, you know, just because you are someone who is, you know, a public official. Yes, that this, this whole statement about Biden made, because a lot of people are having a lot of issues with the fact that he went there and he had this whole press conference in, you know, in Tulsa about Black Wall Street. And nobody's talking about even reparations for those people there. Like, are we, are, do you think that these things are very harmful to just the voting process of Black people? Because it's hard for me, as a Black person trying to tell people to go out and vote in these processes and say, well, this is going to be different and this is going to be different. Do you think these things are going to be hard for people to get over? Or do you think that, they, you know, people are, are, have any enthusiasm to even vote right? So uh, just from the beginning, what you said, the problem there that we're, we are glossing over is they shouldn't only know Jamani. And the fact that we only vote for Jamani because we know Jamani is also part of the problem. And so we should know who those other three, four people are because they may be better. Jamani may have shut up to your barbecue, may have knocked on your door, but is doing very harmful things in those back rooms and in those votes. And we should know that. And we should take the time to try to figure that out. That right. is how though, Jumani. When, when you work nine to five, you got three kids. You got to pick the baby up. You got to come home. You got to take care of the kids. You got two jobs. I'm not. And I'm the not, only person that you're going to see is the person that's that's making sure that you see them. So how do, how do you tell somebody who's dealing with those issues that they should know that? That's a fact. So we got to find a way to help educate those folks. I think ranked choice voting pushes that. And now the other four candidates sleep, look, I really got a shot. Maybe if I double up my outreach efforts, maybe if I double up this effort, combined with the fact that I have uh, the ability to get matching funds, I can now give uh, my uh, who I am to these folks. And then I can make a choice. And now you can go and go, let me see what these people are real quick. Even if it's just a, a couple of moments before you go in, let me read through it and see what, a, yo, this dude did do that. So I think it helps set a stage where the problems that you're talking about um, won't go away, but perhaps this encourages people, one, to outreach more, and two, to learn more, because their vote is now magnified. And if we can view it as that, as that I have magnified your vote from what it was, I think that's empowering. But what I just want to keep pushing back is none of the systems have been delivering what we want to deliver. I believe that this system has the ability to deliver more. And if you look at how people do uh, even um, polls, if you ask somebody if they're happy or sad, you will not get an accurate assessment. That's why they break it down and be like, are you somewhat sad? Are you somewhat happy? So they have to do those things because people will answer in a spectrum because in the way it is now, you don't have that spectrum of choice. You have no thought 
uh, of choice, you have this person. I, I don't know these other people. Let me just vote for him. Bound. Uh, but yo, there's two black people. Oh, they're going to split the vote. There's no splitting the vote on ranked choice vote. I could vote for one, two, three, and, and hit it. So there's so many benefits to this choice. But change is always difficult. Usually the people who push back on the most have the most to gain for the system that exists. And that it does that is also for our black establishment elected officials. Uh, you know, if I have a choice between uh, establishment that doesn't look like me and establishment that does, I'm gonna go for establishment that does. In terms of Biden, um, the Biden-Harris ticket and what they're doing now, I don't think surprises any of us who understood we had to support the Biden-Harris ticket only because of what was in opposition to it. So it's not surprising anything that we're seeing. Matter of fact, I'll be surprised when we see something different and I hope we see something different. We do have to acknowledge um, that these Republicans, like the Democrats are a problem. I'm never gonna, never gonna ignore that. Like, I, it's just wild what the Republicans do. Like they can, they're literally now telling millions of Americans that what they saw was a peaceful tour on January 6th. That's some wild shit. Like that's- That's, so, that's crazy. That, and, and people are buying it. Donald Trump is not telling people it's gonna be reinstated in August. Michael Flynn is saying that we should have a coup. Like that is what, as much as Democrats, we got to hold them accountable. We are also dealing with that crazy shit. And that's what, that was my whole thing. Before I leave, I just want to say that was my whole thing. You know, I get so much flack every time Biden does something wrong. And I'm like, I never told y'all that Biden was the end all be all. <laughs> I just told you that the opposition to Biden was worse than Biden. When you look at somebody who's saying form coups that, that you know, that have insurrections that pretty much running the, the, the White House like a, a drug kingpin, you understand what I'm saying with, with his and call pretty much calling for them to just take over the government. Like that's not something that was even an option for me. I, I told him I was gonna vote for my 10-year-old son before I was gonna vote for Trump. And that's so that's just the reality of the situation. But I, I wanna say thank you, Jamani. I know you gotta go. You know, you always very informative and you break things down to terms that everybody can listen to, continue to do the work. Hopefully we'll be voting you for mayor soon. You know, oh, I need Lord. you need to take that. That's the, that's the step we looking for. That's the ticket I'm going for. And you're going to be my one, two, and three on my rank choice, man. I, I appreciate so, you. That's a, that's, a, that's a terrible job, but I, I appreciate you. Man, somebody got to do it, man. I, I'd rather good people do terrible jobs than terrible people do terrible jobs. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I hear that. <laughs> well, appreciate y'all, though. Thank wow. you, appreciate you, man. Thank you, Jamani. We appreciate you, Jamani. Thanks for coming on with us today. You got to come back to Street Politicians so we can uh, talk about a bunch of things. And I agree with my son that we really should have been voting for you uh, <laughs> this mayoral election, but there's more elections to come. And right. in fact, you have an election. Yes, I'm running. <laughs> I'm running for the election. I forget. I'm running for the election. Exactly. So, folks, if you're watching, your public advocate, Jamani Williams, is running for re-election. And also, if you're out of town and you want to support a true liberation fighter, um, a revolutionary who is in office, you can donate to Jamani's campaign. Um, the information is below. Um, but, Jamani, if you want to tell people just how to find you online, That'd be great. And thank you, brother, again. Appreciate y'all. JamaniWilliams.com uh, is the campaign website, uh, at Jamani Williams, Twitter, uh, at Jamani.Williams, IG, and Facebook. I think it's uh, Jamani Williams, uh, the same, but you know, 
Thankfully, there's not too many Jumanji Williams out there, so uh, you'll be able to find it. But I appreciate y'all. Jumanji, Jumanji, Jumanji. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. It's an honor to have I, the people tell me run for mayor. I'm just still that crazy dude from Brooklyn who loves hip hop. So that's a that's just an honor for anybody to even mention that. But I appreciate y'all. Peace. Thanks. Bye bye. Take care. Before we go to the next segment and have our special guest join, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass. Every shot and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises? Or will we see a new champ be crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I don't know. You know, I feel like I don't really have, I still, my brain sometimes does not accept concepts. Like this is just something that I've always had a problem with in school. It was probably one of the reasons why I couldn't focus. I don't know if it's my ADHD. I don't know what it is, but is certain things like I hear everything that he's saying, and I know you're you're a person that gets concepts and numbers really well. So I can tell like you get it, and I get it. In 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 theory, I understand one through five. But where I where they lose me every time is the part around if number one is doesn't get enough, then how you get to number three, and then is everybody gonna does that mean? 60% of people voted for number three in the same number three slot. Could they have been in two and three? I don't get it. 
I just don't get. I, I, don't, I don't think it's. I don't think it's really just the slot. I just think it is the options, right? So, like I broke it down. If you have a hundred people that's voting, mm. right, and all hundred of those people are split about the first person, mm -hmm. like you might have ten people that want to vote for one person. You got twenty people that want to vote for the, another person. You got fifteen that want to vote for another person, but. All of them were saying, yo, we, we, you know, we, we like this one is between these two, but all of those same people would have voted for the same person, would have voted for the second person, right? So in essence- But that's never I, gonna be the case. But that's not, it, it, why? Because everybody's second, everybody's second choice could be the same. Their first choice could be different. But what if their second choice is all over the place and their third choice is all over, like I just, I'm so what happens is this. They, I guess what they do is tally the first and the second vote. Like, if you were somebody's first and second, right, and, and they tally it all, then they go to the third. If you were some people's third and you wasn't their first, if the, if the same face shows up in a majority of the votes, one through five, like some people might just have, just only know one person. And in, in the second vote or the third vote, they might not even have those, right? But if the same person constantly shows up one through five in, in large amounts throughout everybody's thing, then that tells you that everybody, to some degree, right in first. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not, it's not going to be angry. Like some people get voted, you like, who the hell is this person? Like, how did they get in? I don't even know. I've never even voted. I've never seen it. So when you look through, through the, the ranked choice votes, voting and you see, okay, 100, I mean, 50%, 40% of these people said this would have been the first vote. Then another 30 said he would have been a second vote. Then another 40 or 50 said he would have been a third vote. That and means he's he's he is a common factor or she is a common factor. He's a common factor. Then that gives you a better feel of what the people actually want. That's just how I see it. Okay, well, I don't want to have too many conversations on this show in June when we're in the final quarter about um, the challenges of ranked choice voting. I think we're gonna see how it works. And so I guess after this election, we'll have an opportunity to really see how it all worked out. And then we'll have some folks like uh, Reverend Kirsten John Foy, who is against ranked choice voting to come on and talk about, you know, where we go from there after we have an election where we see how it works. I just hope that we don't have a situation where we end up getting the wrong candidate in office for mayor because this is a serious election. So I think um, for me, like, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like he said, the, the, the system we got ain't working. It, the, so we're trying something different. So we, gotta, we need something different. Okay, well, hopefully that works out for all of us. Our next guest, hopefully he's with us, the Reverend Mark Thompson, another one of our friends. Listen, man, that's, look, we, we just happen to be blessed to have people in high places of good character, you know, that really believe in equity and, and liberation for our people to just be our friends. You know, we just, you know, I think when they say six degrees of separation, I think it's even smaller, man, when you got the same mindset you know, and you you want what the you want the same things. It actually connects you to people, man. So we're just blessed to have brothers like my brother, the good, the good Reverend doctor, Mark, the good Reverend Doctor Mark Thompson. What's up, y'all? I'm on Street Politicians. Good to see everybody here for the first time. Glad to be here. Mike's been trying to get me on for a minute. Tamika didn't want me on right away, but I'm here now, and I'm thankful. Yeah. 
whatever. You are always <laughs> you have an open invitation to just call and say, I'm coming on the show. Like we can do you on your show. That's right. That's right. That's right. We used, I remember all the fun we used to have on my show. Folks used to call and curse me out. Y'all be right there with me. So yeah, we did. Right. Have- <laughs> yeah, we did. I, it was it was what was it called? Wasn't we the dinner crew for a minute? The dinner crew. Um, the dinner crew, right, right, right. The dinner crew. Dana That's crew. what we were. Yeah, it was. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. We had um, a lot of fun. So we've been talking. We talked to the public advocate in New York City uh, for you. We've been talking about this ranked choice voting thing. You know, obviously, this is really critical. Um, there is an election happening, and, and I can't help but feel like the game has been changed in the final inning. What what Jamani um, is saying, public advocate Williams, he's saying that this has been a long time in, in coming. You know, people been knowing about it for a while and that in some of the polling that has been done, most people understand it. I don't think they poll black folks um, and brown folks that's in the hood. So I'm not sure if we can use a poll as a de- determination for whether or not our people actually get what we are up against in this moment. So where do you stand on this? Where do you think, do you think we're going to be disenfranchised in this election because ranked choice voting is now going to be shoved down people's throats in the next few weeks? You think folks been paying attention to the conversation? I don't have any evidence that they really have. And and I don't wouldn't even I don't even know if paying attention is the right thing. When you do something like this, people have to be educated. You have to make sure they're educated. And let's be frank, the, the struggle in America and in our inner cities has been around voter apathy in general, mm. especially at the local level, right? So where you have people who have interest in national elections, they don't have as much interest at the local level. That's a problem. And so when you're introducing something new to an electorate that already has not made voting and local voting a habit, that's challenging. And the proponents of this should have done more to make sure people are educated. This is sort of, um, you know, the whole, and don't get me wrong, I, I support proportional representation when it comes to electoral bodies, uh, legislative bodies, because what that would mean, for example, let's say we wanted to form a street politicians party with proportional representation. If a street politicians party only got 10 percent of the vote, it still would get 10 percent of the seats in the legislature. That's one aspect of voting change. Ranked choice voting, however, is a little bit more complicated because you're ranking uh, candidates and, and nobody really has been educated about it or understands it. There's a segment of the population uh, who get it. And that's fine. But it has not touched the inner city and urban areas in the way that it should. Having said that, I'm not prepared to dismiss it or say it's wrong. But the first time out, it could be damaging. It could be disenfranchising because people don't know enough about it. So I think that's the problem. I don't I don't know how comfortable we should feel doing something like this uh, for such an important election when it's really on the job training for everyone. It's It's a dry run. And I don't think that that was thought through very carefully. You know, I might disenfranchise people, you know, as we as we look, you know, just all over, just, just the whole situation with just, not just just our mayor candidates, 
when we look at our presidential, you know, the, the people that we pretty much, I voted for them. I don't know if you did. I think Tamika did. We voted for this election because we yeah. felt that, you know, the, the opposition wasn't even, you know, a candidate for us. You know, and as we look forward and we look at right now, what do we, what should we be doing? We look at, you know, we just, we're hearing these speeches, we're hearing everybody's on me. Oh, they got an Asian bill that protects the Asian people. Right, and they right, got this right, right, bill, right. You know, and he just made a speech in Tulsa, Oklahoma that never discussed reparations, you know, and, and, the, and they're actually people who survived the, the massacre of Black Wall Street. There's survivors who have not received anything. They said they gave, somebody said they gave them a pair of sneakers. You know, how how should we be feeling? What should be our next steps? Because I know that we 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 definitely said to, as when we told people to go out and vote that we wanted to hold this administration accountable, right? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. should we be doing right now to hold them accountable for these things that we see how Black people who pretty much put this whole administration in office aren't receiving what we believe we should get. Well, um, you probably said the wrong word to me. I'd ask me, come on and talk, and that's reparations. But I think if we use that as an example to answer your question. So you're right. He didn't mention reparations. Um, we are responsible for this administration being in power. So whatever we want, we should get. Plus, he said, we didn't ask him to say that. He got up and said, trying to talk black when he won, y'all have had my back, now I'm supposed to have yours. Those are his words. It's a lot easier to hold a man accountable to his own words. But you know, I know too much because I'm involved in this. Let me tell y'all what's happening. And, and this is unfolding and un a developing story. Maybe next time we'll talk, I'll be ready to call out some names, but I'm just gonna say this to put people on notice that we know who they are. It ain't bad. There's some black politicians and Negro leaders that are lobbying Biden and the Congressional Black Caucus and members of Congress to be against reparations, all right? I know who they are and I know what their agenda is. What is happening is there are 188 co-sponsors of the reparations bill in Congress. That's more than it's ever had. Puts us approximately 30, 27, 28, 29 short mice of the votes needed for passage in the house. Now, when you have 180 co-sponsors, that also means that there are people who may not be co-sponsors, but willing to vote for the bill, right? So we're close to passage. You got some Negroes saying, oh, don't do that. That's gonna mess us up for the midterms. And, and so some of us are saying, what are you talking about? That's gonna help you win the midterms and hold the house because that will motivate more black folk to vote, okay? And so we're dealing with black people who are, are, are about that agenda, pushing that agenda, this anti-reparation. If we can get it through the House passed, then we gotta go to the Senate. And nothing, like everything else, nothing's going through the Senate because of the filibuster, McConnell, Manchin, all of that. So then the next piece would be to have Biden do it by executive order. And I got some Negroes calling around, telling people we shouldn't do this right now. Brother Mark, we shouldn't do this because it's going to mess us up for the midterms. Let's well, do that for midterms. That I, that's it. They, Mark, every election period, especially right. after a presidential election, we hear right. we can't do anything for Black people because the, mid, the, midterm. the midterm. 
that that is the that's like the biggest excuse or whatever reason every time Obama couldn't do couldn't too do much policing yeah. because there was going to be a backlash around of midterms. We did all the work, especially coming out of the Women's March, to win in 2000 and what was that, 18? Yeah, in 2018, we put all of these progressives in place. We, we got more women elected than ever have been. And still, and then we still couldn't block Trump from a whole right. bunch of things that they did. Now here we are, a new administration. The midterms is tomorrow. We all know that, this tomorrow. It seems to me like we might actually lose some seats. I'm just very confused and need you to help us understand, again, what people should be doing. You know, a lot of folks say to me, well, they are critiquing, criticizing the fact that I am not as vocal as I have been in the past. And I think people don't understand in leadership, you have moments when you are speaking, organizing, pushing, and then you have other moments when you're studying, trying to figure out what is the next approach that needs to be taken for these issues to move the ball forward. It's not yeah. that I'm not doing the work. It's not that I am not paying attention but I am also in deep reflection about what we need to be doing next because we have Joe Manchin and what's the cinema, the other uh, senator. So yeah, cinema yeah, yeah. and Manchin are two Democratic senators that vote like Republicans, right? So they are not with us. We've got the filibuster in the way. We've got an administration that while I think they want to do some things, I don't think that Joe Biden is giving the same effort for us as we had for him, in my opinion. I'm not saying that I don't think they're doing anything because the gun violence um, executive order that was signed has poured a whole, well, the money has not been released yet, but certainly the intention to, to give $5 billion to organizations across the country that are doing gun violence work is very important, especially when we see the number of violent incidents and shootings rising across the country. And we know that locking people up is not going to be the answer. It never has been. It never will be. We need services. We need, um, we need our people who are on the ground to be able to do their work. But I feel like, Mark, and this is really something that you and I talk about and I know there's a lot of other people that feel it. We just went to people and said, we have to win two seats in Georgia. We almost killed ourselves trying to live in the street, out there knocking on doors every day. And yet still we have all of these issues. People are beginning to feel like the system will never work. And I'm going to tell you that I have a, a, I'm, I'm beginning to feel that way myself. Well, um, the fact of the matter is that what everybody ought to be doing, mm. first of all, is walking, walking and chewing gum at the same time. That is to say, we've got to fight this battle against voter suppression. Mm. Um, that's what you, anyone can do right now where they live because that's governed on a local level. Meanwhile, though, yes, the Democratic Party needs to be held accountable. What I was going to say, this argument about 2022, they said we can't do it before the midterms. 
Then have 2022, they say we can't do nothing before the next president's election 2024. Yeah. It's an ever spinning wheel. That is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And we need to demand that the Biden administration do what we want, whether it be reparations, uh, whatever we need on gun violence, voting rights. They need to come up with a solution to the problem that exists in the Senate as well. You got two Democratic senators. Now, they claim not to be Democrats in name only. Well, that's the case. See, what, what a president is supposed to do, this is the way the, the yeah. wheel is supposed to work. This is what this is what LBJ did. LBJ would call a senator, threaten a senator, or, or, or influence something in that senator's district to get something done. Whatever buttons need to be pushed in Arizona and West Virginia to get them to vote down the filibuster, that is Cinnamon Mansion, respectively, whatever button needs to be pushed, Joe Biden needs to threaten to push it, all right? Um, I mean, that's pretty much the way that this has to happen. To be clear, the only reason the Asian piece went through, let's be very honest, very, very clear, is because Mitch McConnell's wife is Asian. Mm. There's no reason that they would have blocked that too. So, so because they're blocking everything, that went through because Mitch McConnell's wife is Asian, who also has happened to be on investigation for uh, improprieties while she was the Department of Transportation. But be that as it may, that's why certain bills get through because Republicans still control. So the question is, I, I think another way to put your question to me is, why are we telling people to vote to elect Democratic senators when they still don't have any power and they can't do nothing exactly. anyway? That's not I mean, what, what, so, so it boils down to the brokenness of the institution of the Senate. Because I'm going to tell you something. What? We have to, again, sleep in the streets, get stressed out in Georgia again this year. Right. Because right, because Warnock's term, Warnock's term. Is, is, is a small term to fulfill an expired term of someone else. So everything we did in January, breaking news, everybody, we're going to have to do it again to keep him there. But the question is, doing that gets us what if we don't get rid of the filibuster, if, if Manchin and Sinema aren't being held accountable. Now, to be clear, folks, dem- other Democrats are already talking about primary, getting her all the way out of there. She's going to face a primary as a Democratic. I mean, I mean, in a cinema, I'm sorry. She, she's going to face a Democratic primary uh, herself. What uh, is she in? Arizona. She's in Arizona. So, so watch this. This is Gun Violence Awareness Month or Gun Violence Prevention Month, whatever you call it. Awareness is wrong. Awareness, what it is. Watch this, y'all. She is... Upholding the filibuster, which is blocking background checks, assault weapon bans. Those issues passed the House. From a state where a fellow politician, whose husband was elected senator, was shot in a mass shooting and is, is paralyzed. That's uh, uh, Mark Kelly's wife, Gabby Gifford's husband. So, Senator's counterpart in the Senate from Arizona has a wife that was shot in a mass shooting, and Senator won't even do in Arizona. And cinema won't even do anything. She says the other day, well, you know, filibuster, we might just want to keep it. It's not the worst thing in the world. What? This is a, see, here's the other thing. This is where we come in as black people. The filibuster and electoral colleges, electoral college and the Second Amendment are remnant from the era of enslavement. Mm. They exist because of it. The electoral college was to keep the Southern states in power that had more of us, more black folk, in their state's population and white people. So electoral college gave them an extra boost to compensate for the black people that they weren't allowed to vote. We were just three fifths. They used us to get those electors as three fifths to add us up. And the filibuster obviously was used 
to prevent anti-lynching, to prevent civil rights legislation. So these are relics of an era of enslavement. And for, for these institutions to continue to exist, they are continuing to exist because of us. And they're now continuing to exist to uphold the ongoing oppression of us. And so that's where we're up against. So the voter suppression issue is important. It's also gonna be important, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, Biden has done some progressive things. I think we have to be honest. Right. And we, we run this show. We call these plays because he would not even be in there. If there's ever a president that did that one office specifically and exclusively because of the black community, it was Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. You know, I, I, I often have these, you know, conversations myself because I'm learning government and I'm learning just to understand more over. And a lot of people are like, yo, he should just sign this executive order to do these things. He should just sign these executive orders. And, and when you're in office, like I'm just, I have to put myself in a position. Like, you know, if 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 I have a, a Senate and I have a body of people that have to oversee certain laws that I have to present most of the laws to and policies and things that I want, and I want to work in unison with, you know, this 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 governing body. If I constantly just sign executive orders that go against everything that this other party is with, then it makes it hard. To, to actually get any real work done inside the government, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's a that's a, that's a a thing, like a, a lot of people, cause they don't, you know, when you talk to the average person on the street, they're like, well, he, just, he signed this, he needed to just sign that. And a lot of times people don't understand politics, they don't understand just doing it in a business world. If you know, if, you, if, if you're working with business and you just decide, okay, you know what? I'm, I have rank and I'm over, I'm gonna put my rank over this person. I'm gonna make this decision. Right. People right. still responsible for running the building, right? So you can make that decision. Now, when you make that decision and they decide, you know what, fuck that, we're not running this building no more. The building gonna get stand. You can make that decision, and that shit goes. So so people have to understand that it's not as simple as just every time we want something, just write an executive order. It has to right. be a culmination of things, even though we know that they're not trying to play fair. There has to be a level of strategy that goes into this thing. You know, we have to do things in a manner that makes sense that, you know, that the government doesn't just crumble completely, even though that's something that most people would rather, you know, and we start something new. Not most people, some people, not most yet. But to your point, my son, it is true that the systems actually have to follow suit with whatever decisions are being made in the executive office. And we know that white supremacy is running rampant within all of these different institutions. But the, that's the reason why I said to you, Mark, that it feels like the energy for what we need is not there. Let me explain what I'm saying. Reform doesn't feel like it will work anymore to me. I, I, I now have erased the word reform from my vocabulary when talking about policing. I think because of everything you just stated, we're talking about institutional issues. I mean, you just went through a whole thing, right? And, and yeah. racism, right? The racism that exists, the, the idea that most of these systems come from um, a time when we were enslaved. I think you need overhauls. Right, that these that policing as it currently exists is going to have to be really, literally stripped apart and redesigned. Right. I don't yeah. know where, 
when we are ever going to get to a point that we have elected officials in office that have that same fire and energy, understanding that the police unions are probably, or I don't even know, as someone else said, they're not even unions. These are gangs, mobs, that they ha they are so powerful. I'm trying to figure out when you, you know, you've been in this thing for a long time. And there have been periods that you've worked with individuals who had to be creative in terms of how they thought about restructuring the ask, restructuring the demand. Do you think we're at a time when we have an administration in place where we need to be coming up with a new way of thinking about how we should approach our issues? Puffy is all over the internet right now saying, equity. Everything is about money. Equity, 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 money. But I don't know if we if that if we can just go completely in that direction. So I know what I'm asking may not be make sense, but I'm sure people's thoughts are just as scattered as what I'm saying to you. And it's a lot to lay on one man, but where what other times in history have we had to adjust the way in which we approach these issues and begin right. Demand things in a different way. Well, let, let me address what you both said because um, I think you raised some relevant question, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, for whom the way the government operates is is not clearly understood. But the fact of the matter is that the three branches exist, and it's supposed to be a check and balance. What the Republican Party has done successfully mm. since the Clinton era is figure out ways to shut down the government. So they not only filibuster debate in the Senate they're able to filibuster the government and grind the wheels of government to a halt. Joe Biden um, has let us know he would like to emulate um, Franklin Roosevelt, who um, obviously did a lot. A lot of the things that are in place today that are any good to anyone right. happened then. But that's, you know, almost 80 years ago. I mean, you, everything has to be renewed. We can't keep making the same wages that Franklin Roosevelt got for us 80 years ago and the same Social Security check from 80 years ago. So, so that's one thing. And they figured out a way to shut all that down to make sure that never happens again and probably have hobbled the effectiveness of the presidency. If Tamika Mallory or my son Lennon were president, there would, you would be somewhat hobbled because of what they've done. So I just wanna put that out there. We can talk more about that later. In terms of what you just said, uh, Tamika, and people, uh, um, you know, knowing what to do, whether anything is, is effective, whether anything is, is working, those are all uh, uh, valid questions, even in terms of, of reform. Uh, unfortunately, there are those African-Americans in the Biden administration who want to emphasize equity over reparation. You know, they feel like equity, because they can get caught up in terms. Defund hurt them. It cost us seats. When actually we found out, those of us who look at the numbers found that defund didn't hurt anything. Mm. Defund actually motivated, motivated more millennials and Gen Zers to get out to vote. And that's the new generation coming. Reparations has been a word in the lexicon for, for many, many years. It's not going to hurt anymore. But this thing about equity, well, we don't want to do reparations now, Mark. We want to do equity. No, that's, that's not acceptable because equity is actually a subset of reparations. Reparations mm. is the whole thing. Equity is just a piece of that. But I remind everybody, and this is the kick I've been on, this is the, 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 the hymnal I've been singing from, is the importance of everyone listening, organizing on a local level, because police are governed locally, boards of elections are governed locally. And that's the little trick in the Constitution. That's how it's set up, set up the state's power. 
they didn't want to see if you have a centralized voting system, a centralized police system like they do in Europe. Uh, Britain has the police department serves everybody. So when they had me come on British TV, like we don't understand, I said, because y'all got a centralized system. Each city is different here. The way they did that for the purpose of confusing us and dividing us and making a difference. It's much harder to take out uh, uh, 50 um, systems in each state and in each state, a hundred some odd counties, than it would be if you have one singular department or agency or oversight. That's one easy target we gotta go get. So I remind everyone, Dr. King won a Nobel Prize, not for what he did as national leader, but for what he did in Montgomery. Got citizen brothers, as we organize locally, learn, understand, get involved in, you know, how the government is run, how legislation is made in your locale, because that may then educate you and inspire you to run yourself. We need, we need young black people to run for office. Now, don't jump up and run for the United States Senate. I had somebody call me, I'm getting run for Senate. I said, no, slow down. You're not ready for that. Uh, city council, fight for police citizen commissions to oversee the police department in your locale. Fight for that. Get on that commission. Hold the police accountable. Demonstrate, don't, there's one thing to demonstrate to stop killing us. It's another thing to demonstrate to, that solves the immediate problem. Solve the long-term problem, let's demonstrate, make these city councils uh, pass legislation to put citizen commission, not just civilian complaint review, not just to look at cases, but to uh, commissions to oversee the police department. Again, another little civics lesson, y'all. Watch this. The Department of Defense is run by a civilian for a purpose so that there's always civilian oversight over the military. You don't want the military to run it because what you see in countries where they have military coups, there's a reason for that. So in this country, the decision was, in many other modern countries, civilians oversee the military. The police are a paramilitary force in our community. Civilians that look like you and me need to oversee those departments. That's the argument. Struggle around that. And then I'm gonna tell you, Mice and Tamika and everybody listening, when you do that, you're also gonna call out a lot of black politicians, okay? Because some of these black people on some of these city councils, they get endorsed by the police union, they get money. So you may have to take on people that look like you who are in elected office, who want to still cozy up to the police and then make this argument, watch this, we can't defund, we can't abolish, we can't have oversight because we need the police to protect us from uh, 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 gangbangers and young brothers in the hood. Well, let, let, me just, let's tell, let me tell you all about that right now. When was the last time, as everybody listening, you have heard of the police solving or addressing any crime in your community? Think about I it. I ain't never. Now, 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 we pay taxes as black people, allegedly for the police to protect and serve us, and they don't do it. More black women are missing and murdered. Police don't investigate squat Absolutely. at all. Uh, when somebody gets killed in our community, don't let somebody, you forget about breaking in your house, stealing a car. That's like a paperclip. They don't care about that. So you paying them not only not to protect you, little old ladies still getting hit in the head, I was on something else today. Police killing unarmed uh, 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 civilians. When's that time you heard police running up in 
some gang banging crib to have a shootout with people who could shoot back at them. They don't do that because they don't want to get shot. Mm. They don't take on people who can shoot back at them. And then real talk, and this is a whole nother show, some of the folk out here that they don't want to go get with the guns, mice, they have flipped into confidential informants anyway. They working for the cops. That's right. So your money, your tax money is paying the confidential informant. We need a whole, a whole show, show. <laughs> with you to talk through um, all the things you're talking about. We um, There's so much to unpack. And yeah. it's important to unpack it, not with folks who just mad at everybody all the time, but folks who are really thinking strategically about what the next moves are going to be. Yeah, we all frustrated. And we all know that we're not getting what we deserve. But there is still a way to approach um, our our efforts and to approach what we what we need to see happen in this nation. And so it's good to just have you on because you're always stabilizing our thoughts and helping us to sort of get organized. And you know, whenever we talk to you, we're like all over the place. But that's because we know you have the ability to center us and bring us back to what we have to focus on. And I think the local elections is so important, even though I know West Virginia, West Virginia is an issue in terms of, um, you know, the Trumpsters that are there and the Republicans, I can tell you that there are people who have been DMing me and tagging me saying they're ready to go to work even in West Virginia. So I think Good. we need to follow up on that. So Mark, yeah. we appreciate you for coming on and talking with yes, us. We'll get you to come back maybe even next week so we can talk more about reparations and the Tulsa movement and, you know, just so many things that's happening right now um, where I feel like everything is sort of coming together. You got, right, right, right. you got reparations, even the DC statehood piece, which I never even under, I understood the importance of making sure that DC does become a, an official state. Um, but I didn't think about how important it is in light of trying to, gain power to be able um, to silence the votes and voices of folks like Joe Manchin. So right. it's good. thank you, Mark. Appreciate folks, it. turn your anger into action, everybody. Turn your anger into action. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Appreciate Much it. love to you. Thank y'all. Love y'all. It's always dope listening to Mark. He's like an encyclopedia. Every time we don't know something, he knows the history of it. He knows the term, he knows where it was started, man. So it's always dope hearing him and his perspective. Because like we said, man, it's, it's just so much going on. And our people feel disenfranchised. They don't even want to vote. Like I went out and I told people we had to vote. And I told people from the beginning that it wasn't because I was the biggest Biden and Harris fans. It wasn't anything to do with that. It's just that I understood the imminent danger we had with Trump in the White House. And, you know, and, and now we have to, we got to live up to that, man. We got to call them out. We got to hold people accountable. You know, like he said, he promised us something. He told us we did right for him. So he owes us. So we got to make him do good on those promises. It's, um, you know, talking to Mark is always good. So I'm happy we had him on. And I think we need to really make sure we bring him back regularly so that he can help to inform folks about their feelings and what we're seeing, you know, he's just as he's equally frustrated, but also very strategic. He's been in these movements for a long time. And I think we need to make sure we, ha we have people like that informing how we approach our work. And that brings me to my I don't get it.
you know, when we talk about the whole Trump and the administration and the voting piece, Why I don't get, talk about Trump though. Yeah, because no. well, I've been talking about Trump, and I, no, I said because he is still to be talked about. Like yeah. he's still in play. He's coming. He's he's basically coming back, yeah. and he said it. You know, he's he's gearing up. He's getting more energy. Like he's actually being actually getting stronger. You know, because this country is moving to a different space, and if we're not paying attention to the strength that he's galvanized, and when when they when they vote to say that um the insurrection was just people just touring, you know, then we we understand the power that he has, and, and if we're ignoring that power, and we just in this lackadaisical state, then we're definitely gonna have more issues to deal with. But that brings me to my I don't get it, and I just don't get why. People don't get that when we said vote for Biden and Harris, that we looked at the, the administration, which was Trump, and said, I don't give a damn who gets in the White House. He just can't get it. He cannot stay in power. I don't get, I just don't get how people don't understand that concept. I just don't look how people seen that we had a, a straight up dictator in the White House. And yes, we, we look at Biden, he's not the perfect candidate. We look at, but this was the only what we had. We had Kamala and, and um, Biden on one hand, and we had Trump and Pence on the other hand. And like I said, and I'll say it again, I will vote for my 10-year-old son before I will vote for Trump. And that's just it. So I don't understand why people don't get it. I just don't get why that concept is so hard. Yes, we 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 understood that Biden had a history of things that weren't all the way progressive. And, and right now. Like like Mark said, he's done some things that have been progressive that we didn't even we didn't you know we didn't anticipate, you know, and, and we're holding him way more accountable. People are way more on him than you know than you they say were. That. I don't know if I see that. You don't see what? People being more holding him more accountable. Well, I don't I don't say accountable, but I'm saying way more critical. I think people are very very critical, like and because okay. I. People act like I'm the president. Oh, this is what you want. Oh, this is what you, you voted for. Yeah, okay, listen. I just was not going to let a, a straight-up terrorist stay in the White House. So if people don't understand that concept, yes, this the, the bottom line is, you know, the position of president of the United States is not a position that is favorable to Black people. The system that the presidency is built on is not favorable to Black people. You know, when you have Senate... And you, and when you look at you have a senate, and we can vote as much as we want, and we still have senators that are supposed to be democratic, that's supposed to be for the same issues, that are against, you know, everything that has to do with advancement and evolution of black people. We understand that this country is built on white supremacy and racism. We're never going to stop that fight. That fight is not going to stop until we dismantle the whole system. But why are we trying to dismantle the system of white supremacy and racism? We have to put people who are less likely to harm us. See, I don't mind if you don't help me. Like I say all the time, you don't gotta help me. I just don't need you to hurt me. Like right now what Biden is doing, a lot of things are not helping us. They're helping a lot of other people, but then he's not implementing policies and laws that are hurting black people. And that for me gives me an opportunity that I can fight. Long as you're not damaging me and stabbing me and making it harder for me to be able to move up, then you're not a friend, but you're not a foe of mine. So I'd rather deal with you. Trump was directly 
putting policy in place that was detrimental to the life of our people. It was detrimental, it was rolling back civil rights. It was taking basic human rights from black people. So I don't get why people just don't see that. I really just don't get that. Well, I mean, I think that um, overall, I think you're right. I think there will be many people who will critique what you have said thus far because people are going to say that if you're not helping us, you are hurting us. Um, and I do, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I completely understand that the point that you're making is that in the previous administration, what we were dealing with is them literally rolling back things like, for instance, saying that we would no longer have uh, diversity and, um, and racial sensitivity training within the federal government. So you would no longer have those types of um, trainings and important information. And, and also, I think the point of taking the training out is to also roll back the need to address a racial incident if it happens within the workplace as well. It's, so a need to dis it's, it's a need to eliminate the acknowledgement that of racism exactly. even exists. And that's exactly what they were doing. Um, and I think in this particular situation, what we will find is that there will be more uh, systems put in place to at least acknowledge the pain, but there is not enough that has been or probably will be done to address the issue and to hold, as you said, people accountable um, in a real, real way. And so I, you know, we are in a state of emergency all the time. I do think though, um, that there are efforts by organizations that's happening behind the scenes. I know, um, you know, looking at what Black Voters Matter are doing and the work around Juneteenth and beyond um, that Until Freedom is a part of, you know, all of these things are not necessarily being discussed every single day in the public sphere, but there is planning that is in progress to really not so much try, but to push back to um, make sure that this administration understands that they don't get a pass. They don't get a pass um, and that our efforts to um, not just hold them accountable, but to ensure that they understand that if they don't do what is necessary, don't call us, don't look for us to be on the front lines to help organize folks in the future because I know I will not be able to participate in that just because I personally don't feel it. You know, my own light is beginning to diminish, although I understand exactly why I voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And if it was, if I had to make the same decision again, I would make the same decision. But in terms of me going out into the world and trying to get people to understand the importance of them showing up to the polls, no matter who they vote for, it is very difficult to tell people that when they can't see the progress on either side. Um, and so, you know, folks will say, well, I don't agree with that either because there is progress. 
you know, we have, have gun violence resources. We have a focus on addressing those issues. And I think that's all important. But we know, we absolutely know that police terrorism is one of the most important issues that Black people across this country care about. And it has to be addressed. And at this point, it's not being addressed properly. And of course, economic empowerment is another issue. And we're not talking about sending out a few checks. That Those things are cool. Those things will put a Band-Aid on a bleeding arm. But we want the entire um, sore to be bandaged up, sewn up, treated, um, slide, okay. right, everything we want all the medications we need we need everything to heal a wound and it, and we've been wounded very much by this country so that's what i have to say on that well with that being said that brings us to the close of another dope episode you know i appreciate that huh the informational education oh yeah definitely definitely informational man you know shout out to my brother, uh, Mark Thompson, shout out to Jamani Williams for coming through and just kicking it with us and giving, informing us about certain things. You know, every time we sit down at, on this platform, we bring our friends, you know, we're and gonna, our brothers. We're going to bring some people who are not our friends. In yeah, we're going to start bringing some, because I want to have some debates with people. I told you, like, I'm trying to just be in you in debates. You know, I win all the debates we have. I got to, you know what I'm saying? I got to bring somebody else to debate. I want to have some you know, give us some people, tell us some people that y'all want to see on street politicians yeah. that we might not agree with, you know, and we want to have, we want to have dialogue because you don't got to agree. But if you have something to say, as long as you got, don't tell me somebody that, that ain't even worth talking to. Tell me somebody that might have something to say who our views might be a little different. And, you know, and, and we want to, we want to get, you know, have a little, uh, a healthy debate, a healthy dialogue, man. So with that being said, once again, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika's not going to always be wrong, but we will both always be authentic. Peace. Salute. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic. And at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. 
Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.